four with eight zeros behind it. Somebody type that into the chat on Facebook or wherever you are, or if you want to, write it down with the appropriate commas where they go. Four with eight zeros behind it. And then we're going to set that over here for a minute. It's a big number, by the way. One of the hardest or most difficult things for us as humans to wrap our head around is a word that has, what, five letters in the English? And it's called grace. The fact that someone might have grace for us that someone might not give us what we deserve, especially when we do something that deserves judgment, deserves punishment, deserves anger, maybe even deserves violence. The fact that someone would give us grace seems unfathomable to us. And it happens in little ways, I think, at least for us as humans, Think about the last time, and I know it's probably been some time, since you were invited to someone's house for dinner. What was one of the things that you thought or said as you left that person's house? Gonna have to have you over. Which, right, we call it manners. We call that, that's, that's, how, that's how we treat each other. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not grace. Meaning we've received something, but we, for many of us, we think, oh, well, I've got to, I've got to return, I've got to reciprocate in order to earn this, in order to make sure that this transaction is complete. I've got to turn that back over and I've got to make sure that I care for them that way. For those of you who have had the honor, the privilege, the struggle of having children in your life in whatever form or fashion, just go to a children's birthday party. Like in some neighborhoods, it used to be, right? Like they would start out small. You just had a little cake, you know, some drinks for the adults, maybe some balloons. And then the next time it was cake and ice cream and balloons and whatever. And then the next time it was cake and a clown and a whatever. And then pretty soon we get up to where they're 16 years old and we're having a prom just for this person. There's this thought that we're just escalating up, that, that we have to somehow, we have to keep going and keep comparing ourselves and keep giving more and more and more back because receiving is such a foreign concept to us. And I think that's part of the conundrum that we have as Protestants, as people of the Reformed faith, because we take this grace very seriously. It's, it's very close to the center of how we think about what God is and what God does with us. That God loves us before we're lovable. God loves us before we're even created in a sense. At least if we think about it in that kind of a timeline. God so loved that 
the Father, the Son, and the Spirit began to create because they were in this relationship of love and grace with one another and they wanted to create and be in relationship with the universe in that way. And so when we hear the words of grace, when we hear these things, God so loved the world, or like in Ephesians, when we hear, you know, by grace you have been saved. This isn't something you did on your own that's very foreign to us. And in fact, there was a whole Reformation fought over it. Because our natural tendency is to want to earn things. We want to earn it. We want to to make it right. We want to, you know, we think we live in this meritocracy. And so we think, well, if I I just need to work harder and that thing is going to come to me. And we often let that get in the way of our relationships with each other and in the way of our relationship with God. And so then, as we read certain scriptures... Especially, like, I think John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have everlasting life. And everlasting life in John, or eternal life in John, does not just mean that we're waiting for some off-there-up-there kind of thing. It is about really knowing God and being in relationship with God now, that eternal life is available to us right here and right now. It isn't just something that we wait for after we die. That that in knowing God, there's a quality to life that, that begins to change for us. But we make this into something that is this sort of a quid pro quo. Well, if I believe in you, God, then you'll give me grace. If I believe in you, God, then you'll give me grace. We make belief into a thing And especially after the Protestant Reformation and sometime during the Enlightenment, I think, we really made belief into a mental assent to a certain set of beliefs. If I believe in the Apostles' Creed, if I believe in the virgin birth, if I believe in this and that, if I believe in that, like if I mentally assent to all of this, then that gets me salvation. That gets me grace. It's hard to wrap our minds around the fact that God's grace and God's love is a priori. It's before everything. That we are invited into this life through Christ, through his giving. That faith is a gift from God, as Paul writes, and grace is a gift of God through Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about this Ephesians passage just a little bit because it's super, super interesting stuff going on here. You were dead through your trespasses and sin in which you once lived, following the course of the world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. In this kind of cosmology, there was a belief that somewhat sort of between, even though they would think about it differently in terms of the way we think about the universe now, but sort of like between the earth and the moon, they just believe that's sort of where the demons had their reign, right? The ruler of the power of the air was sort of, was seen as, as the place where the, the spiritual warfare sort of took place. Maybe there were angels and demons there. And so that's, 
It's sort of what this writer is, is mentioning here. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh. And now, it's interesting, today we talk about do what you're passionate about. Back then, the passions were thought of in a Greek, in the Greek way of thinking, the passions were things that carried you away, that got you into trouble. If you followed your passions, then you were probably doing things that weren't what you ought to be doing. Whereas now, we've, we've totally changed that. So you need to read that a little bit differently. And then we're not just talking about passions. We're not just talking about some sort of sexual passion or something like that. But just anything, anything that kept you from realizing what reality was, anything that kept you from, from living into the day-to-day with your fellow human being was considered a passion. So all of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and senses. And we are by nature children of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses. I love this. There's this, there's this really interesting interplay here about how, how even though the grace extends to us a priori before all things, that somehow we can be separated, we can separate ourselves from that grace. We can separate ourselves from that grace in the ways in which we live and move and have our being. The God who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our passes, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It isn't that we earned that. It isn't that we all of a sudden turned our own lives around and now all of a sudden God says, oh, here, here's Jesus, you know. I'm giving you this gift because you got your stuff together. (laughs) He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, through Christ, we didn't just become, only become children of God, but we became, in a sense, rulers with Christ, if you want to use that terminology and the way that he, I think that the writer's using this here is, is sort of rulers over the demons of the air. That, that through Christ, we begin to realize the nature that is in us, not this nature that has a proclivity to sin and brokenness and hurting other people, but this nature that was made for good works. This nature that was made for love. This nature that was made for working for the things of God. And yet we still, right? We still get pulled away by, if we want to use that terminology, (laughs) the spirits of the air, the passions of our flesh, because we build up our economies around those things. Because we're still convinced that that's how we get our worth, is through those kinds of things, through our bank accounts or, you know, through something else. And so, we, because we think that, oftentimes as people of faith, we also get taught, if you believe this, then you've got to do this. And, and, to, and so then we spend a lot of time going, well, do I really believe that? Am I really saved? Am I, am I in God's grace? Am I out of God's grace? We're, we spend a lot of time, or some of us do, spend a lot of time wondering, where am I within God's family? And God says, it's just relax for a moment. Through Jesus, 
I've given you this new life. And when you believe it, meaning when you step into it and you begin living it, because believe is actually an action word in John. When you believe in this grace and you begin to trust in it, you begin to live into what you were made for, which was these these good works. You do them out of a response to God's grace. It's like two lovers in a relationship that will say about one another, they make me want to be better. They make me want to be better. Not because I want to earn that person's love, but because that person gives me this love and I want to be better because of it. In whatever way that I can, that's, that's the way this grace works when we allow it into our lives. And so as one writer says, we don't need to launch into a frenzy of good works in order to earn God's love and forgiveness, nor do we need to engage in endless navel-gazing of asking, do I believe? Do I really believe? Am I saved? Am I really saved? For it's by grace, and this is a gift, and faith is a gift given by God, and grace is a gift given by God through Jesus Christ. And so even though we, and here's the, here's the crazy thing, is that we can talk about all of this sort of high-minded grace and faith and good works, and yet we know that our world, we know that our world is still trying to work out how to earn, each person trying to earn their spot and earn their love by doing all kinds of things. Our economies are built up in this way. Four with eight zeros behind it. Does anybody know what that number actually is if you say it in words? I don't. 400 what? Pull down your mask and say it. 400 million, is that all? That seems like a lot more than that, but I think you're right. I think you're right. 400 million. That's what it cost to make the movie Endgame. Great movie. My question is, what good works could have been done? What... What kind of diseases could have been ended in our time? How many people could have been given the opportunity for work and to lift themselves out of poverty? How many people could have found themselves held in the grace of God with that kind of funding? So that's the interesting thing about our world is that we, those of us who begin to understand that God loved us first, we are fighting an uphill battle. And so I want to say to you today, do not lose hope with the things that you are seeking to move forward as people of God. Please don't spend a lot of time wondering if God loves you or if you're saved For Jesus has saved us a couple thousand years ago and God's grace extends to us now. For by grace, for by grace, you have been saved. 
not as the result of works. And we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. May our belief, trust in this grace and this love that our faith may abound. Amen.